Hello and welcome to the super colorful original telecommuting transmission, otherwise known as SCATCAST. Joining me today in this beautiful, uh, calm, relaxing, Saturday morning recording of SCATCAST is Ian Dixon. Hello, Ian. Hello again. Morning is... or afternoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> feels like morning to me. It does feel like morning. It's 1.33 p.m. right now. So... It's morning on the West Coast. If we were doing this live, we could still call this uh, a Saturday morning broadcast, which is what I would like. <laughs> I would like the mood of Scottcast to be. It's hard to describe Scottcast to people. Mm -hmm. Like, is it a comedy podcast? No, not really. Is it an entertainment podcast? No, not really. Is it just a talk show? No, not really. But just it's something to put on Saturday morning. When you're hungover and just don't care. No, not when you're hungover. <laughs> Don't do it when you're hungover. My voice is not good for hungover people. <laughs> this is a... Oh, I had a relaxing Friday night, and now I just want... I don't know what I want. So I'm going to listen to this guy talk instead. I'm just going to let... I'm just going to be zen. I'm not going to... I'm going to give up wanting. And I'm just going to okay. listen to Scottcast. It's, it's, like, it's like water over the soul. Sounds like our meditational podcast it's kind of a meditation listening to me and putting up with my my antics is a is a meditation unto itself people have told me it's excellent it's 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 nice i feel i feel like i can help out anyway before we get too far into this uh transmission i wanted to address something i apparently misquoted bronwyn yeah she was upset what did she say she was i mean Mildly perturbed. Mildly perturbed. What does that mean? Like, give me a... Like, she wasn't upset. Like, she's gonna do anything or be thrown a fit or anything, but she was uh, adamant that we make a correction. Okay. Because you, on last week's cast, suggested that she suggested that uh, she would curb stomp baby Voldemort if given the opportunity. <clears throat> okay, and what was the correction? So that was a misquote. She she said she would curb stomp baby Hitler, but she's given a pass to the, the Dark Wizard. I don't understand why the Dark Wizard gets a pass. I didn't ask for clarification. I just am making that, that clarification for her on her behalf. Ian, we need... Here's the deal. For, to be on to be on Scottcast is to be an investigative reporter on mm -hmm. life. You gotta <laughs> get to the nitty gritty details of why someone is choosing to kill baby Hitler, but not baby Voldemort. It's not that I think that they shouldn't kill baby Hitler. It's that I should. I think they should also kill baby Voldemort. Maybe not for the same exact reasons. I'm not trying to put them on some sort of equivalence plane. Mm -hmm. But it's clear that Bronwyn has a much more graduated to a nuanced view yeah. a nuanced view so we need to figure out what the spectrum even is i'm trying to broaden my horizons you know I'm trying to see things from other people's perspective yeah well i'm uh i don't know i'm not going to speak for her because i don't i didn't flesh that out i'm not a very good investigative reporter yeah uh so it's okay <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, at the very least, it guarantees that we're going to be talking about mm -hmm. uh, curb-stomping baby Hitler. 
And it's a good one way more to, episode besides this one. It's a good way to start off that, that Zen <laughs> mode in the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you know when you just want to relax and listen to two idiots talk about curb stomp and babies? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, when you want when you want to just see peace in the world. Well, here's the deal. I feel peaceful. Not necessarily because of the debacle over misquoting Bronwyn vis-a-vis Hitler or Voldemort. But to, I went out this morning to Meyer, and I purchased a hundred count sandalwood Ganesh sticks. Little incense sticks. And I got one burning right now. It's the second one of the Saturday. And I can't, I can't tell you how my mood is elevated. I feel good. I feel like a hundred bucks. I feel like I'm in control of my environment. Uh, I've, I, I, I went off brand for like a month and I hated it. And I, I bought some stuff off of Amazon. It seemed like a good deal. It came with free little stands. I was like, oh, I gotta, okay, let's try it. And wow, they just, it turns out incense stick making is some sort of art and Ganesh has perfected it. <laughs> what I'm saying is I wish I was sponsored by Ganesh incense sticks. Like all I want is a free box of sticks every month. And I will mention and describe and with, with incredible detail how pleasant and uh, nostalgic and, and just warming you should uh, you should send them an email. Let them know how our viewership is growing, and maybe I'll just yeah. tweet them this podcast link. There you go. When it's when this when this comes out, I'll be like, "Hey, Ganesh, something in here you might find interesting." <laughs> it's not. I mean, how much how much would it cost to sponsor a Scott Cast for? Well, a box of sticks a, a box month, of sticks. a week, a, a box of sticks a month. Maybe a week. Let's let's keep this train going. <laughs> I don't want to ever be without gymnastics. <laughs> Maybe that's unhealthy. <laughs> but I just think I just think Scottcast needs us if if we're gonna be the goat of podcasting, as is our stated continued goal. Greatest of all time, by the way, if no one figured out what that stands for that stands for. If we're gonna be the goat, we need to have a sponsor at least because all the great podcasters have sponsors do you think we can come up with a quick lyric for gymnastics like gymnastics they're the best gymnastics they're a quick fix for your mood uh sure that yeah that's maybe a good that'll first draft. we can perfect it we can always uh do like the the modern rap kind of cheat and just rhyme sticks with sticks and just put something different ganesh sticks they're the best sticks <laughs> I like that. I, I like that. That's great for messaging. Yo, we got gymnastics. They're the best sticks. They're the best sticks in the world. Gymnastics. <laughs> so I just flipped the order. So it's like we're just. I like. I like this idea of being able to build music out of order, and it, and it doesn't. And as long as it's just a very small bit of order, you could say the stupidest thing you want. Exactly. And. It, it just makes sense, and it's all of a sudden funny. That's why, like, Weird Al is so funny, I feel like, and parody music, and music can be so funny. Like, comedians with... I always feel like comedians with a guitar are cheating a little bit mm-hmm. because their jokes don't have to be as good when they're singing them. This is true. The singing makes it funnier for some reason. 
you know, and they have the guitar and they're doing the C chord and it's just funny for some reason because they're playing music with it. Somehow music activates the brain and it makes it more receptive to other things. And so things just get funnier. Anyway, gnostics, they're the best sticks. <laughs> And that also concludes uh, our the baby stomping portion of the podcast. So, gymnastics and baby stomping done at the same time. I like that. Um, we're becoming more professional. We're becoming really good at this podcasting. Um, well, more popular. I don't know about more professional. <laughs> well, I wouldn't call it popular either. <laughs> I've just been plastering links on the internet a little bit. And so... I gotta tell you guys, I'm I'm very happy of, about our viewership. We have a very dedicated podcast listener base. It seems like everybody who listens to our podcast seems to want to listen to all of our podcasts. We're just that great, and they're and they're watching from all over the United States of America. Oh, listening. Maybe both. No, they're just listening. Well, I guess they might be watching because I got the Facebook Live video. I just I just I just want to say. We're making great strides into becoming the GOAT. We are. It's exponential growth over the last week here. Yeah. These might be newbie gains. That's what they say in strength training and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It's like when you're, when you're skinny guys like you and me, and you just start strength training, you, you, you see more growth and more strength building much faster mm -hmm. than, say, if you were experienced at doing so. So this might be the newbie gains portion. And who knows, maybe next week we'll have zero listeners and people <laughs> are going to be like, we're tired of Scott Cass. Your time is gone. We need to find more coattails to ride is what we need to do. That's true. That's right. So we'll figure out how to find coattails. I, I'm, I'm a king of using my friends and all the hard work they've done <laughs> to latch on. <laughs> I create something of my own. It is how I roll. That's kind of what you got to do. It's like a vital said, part of the ecosystem. Our our lack of previous success. We got to latch onto something. Got to find some someone's coattails. Yeah, we got we got we got views from all over the country: California, Georgia, Virginia, mostly Michigan, and mostly the city you and I happen to live in. <laughs> if that says anything about our numbers and how they may be skewed. <laughs> well, it could be. It could just be me. The playing it over and over and over again. Could be. It's not, though. <laughs> I made sure this time because my ego really needs these numbers to go up. So I'm watching these numbers like a hawk, like a deciphering. And yes, we well, it's, are. It's impressive that we have people in other states. Why is that impressive? I don't know. Cause I, think it's, I think it's impressive it's, that the internet works. Because it's not <laughs> you listening to it over and over. Yeah, it is a little bit <laughs> impressive that anybody would like... What's impressive to me isn't the people who tune in and play something once. It's the ones that are like playing all of our episodes. Mm -hmm. Really? You're, you're going to listen to another one? I, I, I got to tell you, you're, you're soldiering through this a little bit more than I would have. <laughs> <laughs> The only reason I'm I love this podcast is because it's it's me. It's got my name on it. I'm talking on it. I'm editing it. You know. I know it's you because you have a beard. And it's, it, we all know it's me because <laughs> I have an actual beard. So this is not my robots podcast. My doorbells podcast. So this is this is pure Scott cast. As pure as it gets. And Ian's involved. Sort of. 
So, <laughs> I guess, I guess we should mention that. I, I try to be, I try to be, I try to be egalitarian with my, uh, uh, how do you say, credit giving. I'm kind of a passive participant. What does that mean? Like you came up with 90% of the content and I just sit here and be a smart ass. But that's like what that's that that's the but that's like ninety percent of what people come for. So you gotta you gotta understand how people are balancing this out. I think people, if anybody, if I can have a theory about all the wild success Scott mm-hmm. Cast has had with all fifty of our plays over the past week, we balance out the absurdity and 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 the just general. What what is this guy even talking about that I am with? Someone who asked that question that you are. That makes sense. Yes. If it was just me on the microphone, people would just be, people would just click it and be like, oh, I'm sad for this guy. <laughs> Let's give him a pity like and go on a day. But this, this is, this is real. This is real stuff. This is just, real, raw, and esoteric. This is real. This is raw. <laughs> it's esoteric. It's a Scott cast. That motto is. See, you're you're bringing the callbacks too. <laughs> so so you're 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 practically in charge of the lore. You're in charge of you're in charge of keeping me in a realistic plane. Okay. You're in charge of uh, uh, keeping me accountable on a weekly basis. This is pretty much Ian cast. You do all the hard things, and I just kind of ramble. And 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 I. And I, and I and I allow my ego to flourish. Sounds good. That's that's uh, yes. That's what I like it at least. Anyways, we need to get on to the next segment. I I I I get I get stuck in loops when it comes to talking about my ego. And over the past week, I decided to take Scott Cast on the road, and uh, I've got a few events I'd like to talk to Ian about. I went to a bunch of concerts. The first one uh, was a festival that both Ian and I went to separately. Where did you go? I went to Polish Village Cafe to see, I'm going to order them wrong, but Kubat, Finley, and Rose. You got it right. There it is. You got it right. KFR. Just think KFC, but with R. With an R. Because Emily Rose is vegetarian. So you can't, got to take the chicken out. Make okay. it vegetarian. Put it in Rose. Good way to remember it. Kentucky Fried Rose. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you remember that band name. Yeah, so it was a it was a nice evening. Um, all of our Hamtramck listeners, are, I imagine, are familiar with the the Polish Village Cafe and how small it is. So it, it, this isn't a place that usually has. Typically, not a music venue. Okay, because this is the Hamtramck Music Festival, where a whole bunch of people from the suburbs and stuff, Wayne State or whatever, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where these where these people come from, but they all decide that they're going to enjoy music in Hamtramck for one day specifically, and this is what I have to say about that. And, and as and as I proved throughout the week, just just by just by going outside and deciding to go outside, in bare thirty degree weather. But music happens in Hamtramck all the time. There's nothing Absolutely. really special about Hamtramck Music Festival other than it's promoted, and I think there's True. more bands per well, there's yeah, there's these extra venues. And these so. extra venues that are doing it. But so, yeah, on any given day, you could go see three different bands, probably. Yeah. At least. Usually the same pool of musicians who usually play at the Music yeah. Festival, too. So it's like, 
I, I would like to see the traffic that goes to Hamtramck Music Festival and like attends these super packed shows where it's like it's really it's almost difficult to even really enjoy the, the thing and come to a, like a normal show just a couple days later and just experience a world of difference. The music has room to breathe. Everyone's relaxed. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get a drink real easy. Everything is it's 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 just I I advocate anybody in Michigan in this in the general area for sure to come and enjoy the Hamtramck music scene. Just no normal day. You don't need to wait till the for a festival. It's so much better on a non-festival day. Although I love the festival too. It's great because it's great to have these special venues. Yeah. And stuff do that. And it's great to have a a big event where everybody's like, "Oh, let's tour it and see it." But everyone should take a step take it a step further. See it on a normal day. And then you'll get hooked. And then you'll wonder why you ever spent an entertainment dollar elsewhere besides on premium Scottcast merchandise. <laughs> Soon to be available, I'm sure of it with the size of my ego, girl. <laughs> courtesy of Ganesh Sticks. Yes, courtesy of Ganesh Sticks. Yes. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll make a, oh, a official Scott Cash Ganesh Stick holder. It'll be like my face, like, and you stick the Ganesh Stick in my nose or something like that, or in mm-hmm. my mouth, uh, or in my ears, and, and you, and you light, it, light it up, and it's, and it's just a, and it's like a, just a head of approval. It's just... Just like yeah, that's this. This is a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a bobblehead, and it wafts the smoke around. Yeah, yeah, it kind of yeah. Ooh, and that's kind of like a little Zen thing. It's like it almost makes like little concentric circles of gymnastic smoke. That'd be nice. Oh yeah, and it's just my head, just <laughs> just bobbing and just being like yeah, approval. Whoever set this up really knows how to set a tone of a room that's the first look out for that if you want if you want that then uh paypal twenty dollars to my email and uh, if i get enough of them paypals i'll 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 manufacture and if i don't get enough of them paypals sorry no refunds (laughs) (laughs) that's how i do business (laughs) it's your responsibility to market this i'm too busy podcasting to be out there marketing a Gnostic holder. Maybe Gnostic can handle the marketing. Well, they know my PayPal. So that was Hamtramck Music Festival. I, I, I ended up taking my friends Mosier and Alex around town. Mm-hmm. And we ended up on the Christine Terry loop, which, which was just every, every stop we went, Christine Terry happened to be there too. And it became a thing. It was good. It was nice. It, it meant, okay, well, I can see someone has similar proclivities and tastes. When it mm-hmm. comes to bar selection on a Hamtramck Music Festival night, so that's a little validating. And that's yeah. good. It was a great. It was a great night. We saw s- summer like the season at Baker Streetcar mm-hmm. Bar, a bar that I always find difficult to say because I keep thinking of it like the Sherlock Holmes story, you know, Baker Street. Yeah. But it's Baker Street Car. But mm-hmm. no, you're not done yet. Baker Street Car Bar. It's a lot to say, and it's difficult to say, and. I think no one ever recommends going to it simply because it's like, what do you say? Do you say Baker Street? Do you say Baker Street Car? Do you say Baker Street Car Bar? Do you abbreviate somehow? Baker? That's how they know when when you've had enough to cut you off if you can't say the name of the bar anymore. Well, then like, it you, doesn't take very long. Yeah, you cut me off <laughs> after my first drink of water. <laughs> like no more water for you because you can't even say this dead sober. Get out of my bar. That's a terrible policy for business to have. We were there. 
and Summer Like the Season was playing. Mm-hmm. And wow, these people are really great. They got uh, they got a they make these soundscapes. There's a a girl and she writes the songs. Her name is Summer apparently. Summer Like the Season. Mm-hmm. So now we see how the name came about. Gotcha. Look at that. And uh, she's she's on the drums. And she's singing at the same time, and it's all this, it's like these pop vocals, but it's really experimental. There's a lot of, it's, it's, it's very technical. And, I, and it reminded me of something that you might like, mm-hmm. because it's not like pop music, but it's more of a sophisticated audio escape. And it's very, it's very, it's very on that logical kind of side, I feel. So I feel like you would, I feel like you'd appreciate it. And for a bonus for our Scottcast listeners... We will have the full track of Misery from this band at the end of this Scottcast. Well, how about that? So, you, yeah, you better soldier through the rest of this crap. And you can hear this wonderful band for yourself. And uh, you don't have to rely on my terrible uh, description of it. Uh, <laughs> sort of uh, off the cuff right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, was, that was my Hamtramck Music Festival night. It was pretty good. Sounds good. It was pretty decent. But that was just one event of four that I went to just this week in less than seven days since we've recorded last. On Wednesday night, I went to the Ghost Lights Songwriter Night. I haven't been there in like five months. Cause, well, that's a lot because we saw Grace Hayden there. Well, I haven't been to the Songwriter Night <laughs> okay. in like five months. And gotcha. like, and like I, I keep track of time by when the Ghost Lights Songwriter Night happens because it's the first Wednesday of every month. And so I know, okay, when's the Ghost Light Songwriter Night? First Wednesday. Okay, new month. Oh, I have to wait until next month to go and see it because I skipped this month. Oh, I'll have to wait till next month to see it because I skipped this month. And so for the past five months, I've been keeping track of my time in my head by how many times I've skipped going to the Songwriter Night at Ghost Light. Mm-hmm. So I finally decided to go there, and it was a wonderful time. The thing about it is I don't really drink at home. Mm-hmm. I don't really drink socially too much, but I would do drink when I go to the Ghost Light. And I haven't been to the Ghost Light in like five months. So I went up there and I just ordered Jameson. Didn't think anything of it. Mm-hmm. And then I ordered another one. And whew, let me just tell you, the walk home was a lot warmer than the walk there. I, whew, I was a lightweight because I haven't had any in a while. But it was a great night. Ian Lee Lamb played, and he told me something really cool. Uh, he's coming out with an album, and instead of pressing it on CDs or making getting CDs made, mm-hmm. he's gonna have it a digital download, and he's uh, producing vinyls for it. Nice. Yeah, he's just debating <clears throat> what color the vinyl should be at this point. So that's really exciting. Yeah, I think that's a really cool idea because he had a, he had a valid point. Who listens to CDs anymore? Right. Really, like, if I have a CD, I'm just going to rip it to my computer to have it digitally, or I'm just going to hang it on my wall or something. (laughs) (laughs) Because the only reason I would have gotten it was to be like a flag of support, and then i just listen on Spotify anyway. Maybe that's why I like physical media, because it's real, raw, and esoteric. Yeah, it's definitely esoteric these days. (laughs) Like, why would you have... Why would you have a physically consuming like a vhs tape is a it's something the size of a brick that contains data 
like the size of like 500 megabytes. There's no reason to have physical media anymore unless it's going to be like some sort of showpiece, mm-hmm. which is why the vinyl idea is a great idea. If you're going to if it's going to if you're getting it because you want it to be something fancy that you own, might as well be fancy. Yeah. Might as well be nice. Make it a vinyl. It's it's analog. It's it's something you can hang up. It's something you can put in your collection. You put it in a long box, store it in the basement until you get flooded, and then you can be <laughs> sad about it. It's that kind of media. CD isn't that kind of media. No one's going to cry if, you're, if their CD got destroyed in a flood. Oh, your CD got destroyed in a flood. Oh, we'll wipe it off. So that was Songwriter Night. Cool. Sounds uh, like a good time. It was a wonderful night. Because I like this band so much, Summer Like the Season, mm-hmm. they were playing again on Thursday. So I, I went to see them again. Cool. It was great. I was supposed to have a friend come over and join me, but uh, last second they couldn't, which was fine. Except, okay, now all of a sudden, I'm I'm stranger at the bar again. <laughs> it's never a comfortable feeling to be some stranger at the bar. I'm not good at it. I'm not good at the mingling with the rabble mint and joining their ranks. Mm-hmm. I'm just bad at it. I don't know why. Maybe it's maybe it's because I'm too narcissistic to apply myself to them. Maybe it's because I'm just too anxiety-ridden, thinking that I have some sort of inept social gracelessness that'll never be cured. Or maybe I'm just too lazy, and I'm just sitting there. I just prefer to have a have a drink and watch the time go by because I'm just there to relax. I'm gonna go with that last option. Sure. <laughs> See, that's that's that that's just how it that's just how it goes. That's what self-learning's about. You posit scenarios and then you whittle them down until you think of something that's more feels right. But you but you don't know if it feels right until you posit it. So you gotta posit it first. That's what Scott Cast is about. Discovering who Scott really is. A very great person. <laughs> I'm sorry about the spoiler. That was a great night. It, it, it was a very simple. I just watched it, enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I had a drink there too, but I had a Coke with it, and I wasn't nearly as toasty on the way home. My body reacclimated to alcoholism very quickly, <laughs> which is fine. And then the next night, I refrained from alcohol completely. Didn't need it. I was going to go see Mike Galbraith play, and he's been hinting over the last couple weeks or so this show was going to be special, so I was like, okay, we gotta, I gotta go see it. He usually plays acoustic, right? Mm-hmm. He's a singer-songwriter guy. Mm-hmm. And he's been showing videos and stuff, playing in a band. So I was like, ooh, this is going to be interesting. It's going to be him with the band. Let's check it out. Bill said, doors open at 7, music starts at 9. Now, the show at Trixie's was like that too. 7-9 mm-hmm. kind of time frame. But the bands didn't really start till like 10. Right. Normal Hamtramck practice. Mm-hmm. Normal Detroit practice, I think. Normal practice. Yeah. You don't, you don't show up to a show on time and expect to see anything in, any, in the near future. Right. This is, this is the culture that we live in. The artist treats time as an elastic experience. That's, that's, that's in the American culture. Mm-hmm. Artists are floating. <laughs> so if you're going to be an artist, you've got to be floating. <laughs> Even if you're not floaty. You gotta play the floaty part. I decided to wander over there around 9.30 and it takes me like 15 minutes to walk there. 9.45 I get there. Lo and behold I hear he's playing in the bar. So he's playing. 
the song he's chosen, Time to Split. If you know Mike Albraith and the way, and have seen a couple of his shows lately, he usually ends on Time to Split. I think it's because he says Time to Split, like throughout the entire song. It's a great song. I love that song. It's definitely his last song. Mm-hmm. Pretty much all the time. I was hearing that and I was like, oh no. I grossly miscalculated this timing, the schedule. Turns out when the surprise wasn't that he was playing with the band, it was that he was going to start at nine. <laughs> like it said. <laughs> that was fine. I, I enjoyed seeing the last song. It was good. Mm-hmm. He, he, he definitely sounded good in a band. That was great. And then I left. I went and got tacos. Nice. It was a delicious night. It was a wonderful night. And then I came back home, and I prepared this Scott cast, which is probably why, uh, of all four stories, that one got the most detail. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it was... Uh, got that, uh, that recency effect. It's got that recency effect. I was thinking about Hamtramck Music Festival, and I was like, that was like five years ago, right? Yeah, I remember. I was so young back then. So that, that's out and about with Scott Cast. That's my that's my review of the things I did while I was outside. Good times. I, I I look forward to going out and about and exploring the world and bringing it back to my Scott Cast audience week after week. We go outside so you don't have to. Yes, right. Well, I go outside so Ian doesn't have to, and you can hear about it. <laughs> so you don't have to talk to me. <laughs> that's double layer of protection there. What would be, what would be fun, since this is a music-themed episode, everyone's, everyone bounces about, oh, what's your guilty pleasure? Mm-hmm. You know, what's what song ooh, do you ooh, is that your guilty? Oh, I, I love Lady Gaga. That's my guilty pleasure. Well, I say, first of all, Lady Gaga has no guilty pleasure. She's a wonderful musician. I love her. She's powerful, enigmatic. Mm-hmm. She's practically fits the profile for Scott Cass, real, raw, and esoteric. She's esoteric in the sense that, like, the topic she chooses. She's not personally esoteric, obviously. She's practically on Mount Rushmore at this point. They're they're plotting. They're, they got yeah. the sketch artists out there, and they've got the dynamite wedged into the... Who are they taking off? Uh, Thomas Jefferson. Okay. He's like, who, who cares? He's the third president. <laughs> what do you write? Well, his handwriting's bad by today's standards, right? Is it? I th- No, it's not. I mean, it's just really cursive and flowy, and no one cares about that anymore. Okay. So anyways, we're talking about guilty pleasures, and and I don't believe in many guilty pleasures, but I think I have one guilty pleasure song mm-hmm. that in particular. But before we get into my song, do you have any guilty pleasures that come to mind when it comes to yourself? Like something that... Guilty pleasures. So... Something resentful about music, I perhaps? think I'm, I'm similar in that I'm pretty comfortable with my tastes these days i don't uh i don't shy away from owning what i like um i think i have more guilt about things i liked in the past i have some shame about my new metal phase new metal yeah i was a young impressionable young man but uh is that is that limp biscuit that's yeah the bad kind of rap rock mix in the 90s there i love the get rolling is that what it is Roll and roll and yeah. roll. Chocolate starfish. That one. I love that it song. Was a, it was an atrocity that should be forgotten. <laughs> but but at, it gets my blood pumping. At the time, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Okay, so like you were really getting rolling. Like I get rolling. Well, not, not so much with the Limp Bizkit, but just okay. that, that genre as a whole. Like, okay. That was a mistake. 
the entire genre. <laughs> Sometimes experiments are wrong. Yep. This is one of them. A line should be drawn, and that line is new metal. Should not have happened. Well, in in my line of listening, I like I like pop kind of things a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, because I like songs. I like the melody. I like it. I like I like something that's singable. I like vocal things. You know, and. And so, but there is also a line that should be drawn, mm-hmm. and that line for me is a "Seal's Kiss from a Rose." Mm-hmm. It's a song I love. It's got all the factors that you need in a song that that'll make you love it. For me, yeah, it's got it's it's got uh, it's got a wonderful vocal part. It's mm-hmm. got a v- <laughs> I just said like the stupidest thing I could have said. <laughs> I had so many th- cool things I wanted to say about it, and that's the that's the first thing. It's got a good vocal part. <laughs> it was good in the vocals. <laughs> Seal sings it real good. <laughs> uh, anyway, so it's got great imagery, great mm-hmm. lyrical imagery. It's got a great vocal line. It's iconic. It has got a tone to it. It's 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 got an eerie tone, but most importantly, it's in Batman Forever, mm-hmm. and that is what catapulted it to fame. And the thing that makes it a guilty pleasure is, first of all, Seal doesn't even like it. Seal Seal's on record saying, "I don't know why people like it. I don't know why it took on so much. It was just me messing around." Mm-hmm. Like apparently, he just wrote that song so that he could see if he could write a song without using instruments. So he just. That's why you get that ba da 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 da. Okay. That's why you get that is because it's remnant from the fact that he was just he was just singing into a like a four track or something and and just piling layers upon layers and and then they were just like oh that's a good song we should just make it a real song and then they did and then they put it in Batman and then Seal had a career and so he's not resentful of it mm-hmm. but he won't tell anybody what it's about and he won't he doesn't really like it he doesn't he won't give it any kudos. So it's so it's interesting. So so he can't even like it, but I'm over here. I'm jamming out to it. Mm-hmm. I'm liking it. It's corny. It it represents one of the it most conflicting to me parts of the Batman franchise. Yeah, because with Batman, I gotta say I really enjoy the Riddler. Mm-hmm. He's he's my and and that is my introduction to the Riddler is Batman Forever. The really? Bat nipple. Oh, by the way. <laughs> Batnipple uh, acknowledged our presence. He did. I'll hail Batnipple. <laughs> Is he pro nip or no nip? I don't know. Actually, I didn't ask. Oh. He didn't. He didn't respond with the hashtag. I guess. I got. Okay, Master Charles. We need to know. Are you pro nip or no nip? Oh, he is. He does like his nickname though. I did ask if he liked his nickname, Batnipple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he liked it. So that's good. Did you say nip name? <laughs> I should have. <laughs> it is now. His nickname. Fat nipple. He liked that, but I don't know if he's pro or con the okay. actual the fat bat. suit bat nipple. Yeah. And we're calling, by the way, I, I'm trying to subscribe to the belief that every podcast we do could be someone's first time listening to Scottcast. So I try not to go too much into lore, but I want to keep the lore alive. Mm-hmm. So, just as an addendum, Charlie O'Donnell is Master Charles, who sounds like Chris O'Donnell. From Batman Forever, would had which had nipples in the bat suits, and the Riddler played by Jim Carrey, and the thing about the Riddler is he's always been my favorite since that thing. I love the aesthetic. 
Mm-hmm. I love the fact that he's got all these question marks. You know, I like the green and the black. I like okay. the red hair. I like the crazy scientist kind of vibe. The crazy, mad, smart guy kind of vibe. I like that. Is that why we're friends? Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's never really been a fitting portrayal of him. Particularly mm-hmm. in the movies... And even in the comics a little bit, like one of the best Riddler storylines they say is this storyline called Hush. And the thing about that, spoilers, I guess, is he's the mastermind behind it all, but they don't give him any time. They don't show him. Mm-hmm. It's like, cause it's like, cause, cause they only reveal him to be the mastermind, like at the end of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And the only thing they show him actually doing is being a doofus trying to rob a armored car and with a crappy riddle so it's like so it's like they don't even they they made the most interesting story where he's controlling all of these mega villains including the joker including you know harley quinn and and all that ilk Mm -hmm. and and he's leaving them against his will and he's defying death he has terminal cancer that he's fighting and he's and he's getting to the lazarus pit he literally defies and tricks and manipulates the entirety of the rogues gallery of all the of all the batman the toughest batman villains in history and he gets nothing he gets no story he gets no panels he gets nothing he's just like oh i'm the riddler and it turned out it was me and like what the heck why not there should be an entire there should be an entire series based on that story and it's because people don't respect the riddler i don't like that because the riddler is our perfect modern anti-hero and that's where people get him wrong they think he's a villain, but he's not. He's an anti-hero. The reason why is because he does crimes, and he does all these big things mm-hmm. without... And his motive isn't the crime itself. His motive is tricking people. His motive is getting people to think. So so he's doing good. He, yes, in our time of need right now, we need people to just to start thinking a little bit better. Like, what what's going on here? What are we doing here? Like, what's going... Because it's conflicting times, weird times. People need to mm-hmm. think more. So what? who is our perfect anti-hero? Someone who forces you to think more with riddles. So he's a hobo, hobo with a shotgun, but with riddles instead of a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it, he also has a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. He's not, he's not a very passive <laughs> guy in any of the literature. But, but still, he needs a modern treatment. And like, that's where I'm holding out for one more gritty Batman. Mm-hmm. Even though I said a few episodes earlier that I, I'm done with gritty Batman. I need one more gritty Batman because I, I need a real Riddler. Mm-hmm. I need he's the villain that we we deserve and I want to see his portrayal okay. a good portrayal so not Jim Carrey not Jim Carrey <laughs> <laughs> we had Jim Carrey we don't need another one as much as I love it like my uh, when that movie came out I loved it so much like my mom went on amazon.com which was barely known at all mm-hmm. at the time and like mostly just sold books and she found it a used action figure of the Riddler Jim Carrey, which he got for Christmas for me. It was a very sweet gift. It was back when Amazon wasn't, was barely a bookstore. Yeah. So that was really cool. That's my first Amazon (laughs) experience. (laughs) Five stars. I still think about it. So speaking of questions and making people think. Right. I 
in thinking about our, our topic for today was really getting kind of deep and wondering why we like the things we like. And is there a formula that we could figure out for why our tastes are what they are? Well, like, particularly for music. Like, yeah. I've read a book when I was in college. Uh, it was a really good book. I'm, I'm thinking, I, I lent my copy to a friend of mine. She never brought it back, which is fine because it's a great book and it deserves to be spread around the world. But it's called This Is Your Brain on Music. Mm -hmm. It details, like, all the different things that happens when you're listening to music and when you're playing it and uh, what's going on in your brain and, like, how it changes and how it changes over time and the things it can do when you're old and the things you can do when you're young. Mm -hmm. And the thing about music is it seems to light up almost all the areas of your brain. So I'm thinking if there is a formula mm -hmm. for doing... For, for ascertaining like what someone's taste in musically is, it would be so complex. It would be almost a, more of a map into their psyche yeah. than really their simple, simple, simply their taste. And that's kind of where, where I came to in, in reflecting on my own question. And so we all have these uh, kind of lenses that we use to view the world, right? Yeah. And I've been doing... A lot of dialectical behavioral therapy at my job. Well, not a lot, but some. <laughs> okay. And so there's these concepts about uh, the mind, and you've got some some people who kind of gravitate towards the rational side. Some people who are more emotional, and they they kind of view the world through this lens of their emotions. And then there's sort of a there's the place where they meet, which they, we we call the wise mind, where it's kind of a a good balance, kind of zen. Hashtag Ganesh sticks. <laughs> we all kind of have these these lenses or these these patterns of thinking where we're maybe more rational or more emotional or some combination of the two. And I wonder if that's part of what what appeals to us. Because like you said, the, the music can light up all these different areas of the brain. Mm -hmm. And maybe some of us are more impacted by things that that speak to one area or another what do you think about that what, what do i think about the possibility that like that we can map this kind of thing out yeah or... so like if we were to kind of psychoanalyze people and be like oh you listen to this maybe that's an indicator that you're more of an emotional thinker i think i think that could get so complicated because people are going to start i wonder if this algorithm can take into account people being projecting things that they believe about themselves onto themselves like maybe like someone's like oh you listen to heavy metal so you're angsty or something like that you know yeah. whatever and so they're like oh i feel angsty so i'm going to start listening to heavy metal and it's going to be like something like that mm -hmm. where they're like where they're starting to choose their music based on what these algorithms are saying about the music like and then people are like taking music like mood modifiers like like because if there's like actual science behind this and they can quantify it, like mm -hmm. what's to stop them from putting a package on it and like sending a sending a pill out with like a music playlist that says, okay, let's for you and your profile, if you want to listen to, if you want to become happier mm -hmm. and more spring in your steppy, this music will give you a spring in your step, given your tastes, your history, etc. So you're saying that's a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's. <laughs> it, it sounds fun. I guess, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it, it would be good. I guess I... It sounds like what I am Spotify a little, is trying to do. Yeah. I am a little averse to the the overpackaged kind of manufactured bullshit. 
But it sounds like where that, that would inevitably... Well, like, we got to think of anything that happens. If you can put an algorithm on it, you got to expect machine learning to be able to take place with it. So mm-hmm. you got to expect some sort of exponential gro- growth and look forward to a zero point to kind of analyze where technology is going. That's why when I think about getting a new doorbell that mm-hmm. isn't as annoying as the one that you have, yeah, I think about, okay, well, let's have a robot assistant <laughs> that, that can do anything you want. Because okay, when, when at the very zero point, what what is the true purpose of a doorbell? And that is to serve you like a master. <laughs> Hence robots. So yeah. so yeah, I think not to to be stroking my own ego on your show, but I feel like <laughs> my tastes kind of are are that uh, that middle point, the wise mind where. I've got a lot of stuff that is kind of raw and real and esoteric you, and speaks curate, to my... Do you curate your music based on these thoughts? Like you have, a, like you, you understand that there's a wise mind that, that is a combination I, of your two So again, this is, this is something that I only thought about this week because of the, the therapy I've been doing. Um, but I, th- I think my tastes do, they kind of span those those realms um, I've, I listen to a lot of stuff that's hard to listen to. Okay. Uh, the Residents and Captain Beefheart how and do Zappa. You, how are you, what's your mindset when you're listening to something like Captain Beefheart, which would be, like you showed me a documentary about it last week. Yeah. Where where it's almost completely childlike and random, but but organized in such a thorough, like, musical way that it becomes, like, complicated, sophisticated. Mm-hmm. It's kind very of. structured. It's complex music, um, but if you listen to it, it's it's difficult to listen to. Where does your mind go when you're listening to it? Like you you have it on, you have your headphones on, ideal listening conditions. What mm-hmm. where, what's going on? So I've got to be in a mood. Um, I guess that's when I'm more in my rational mind state. Okay. Okay. So you move towards a more rational mind. Yeah. Than your natural state. Okay. That's interesting. And so it's it's kind of about. The concept behind the music, as much as it is, as it is about the music, if that makes sense. And I, so, do you like review where the music comes from and any like story behind it, or like its yeah. historical significance? Is what you think? I mean, there's musical aspects in there, and you can pick those out and appreciate those. Um, for something like the Residents, I, I made you listen to some of that too. Yes, and that's also kind of <laughs> sounds like maybe a child made it and. Yeah, that's all their stuff is like deconstructing pop music. Mm-hmm. So it's like a reimagining of the things that are popular in a way that's kind of saying something different. And that that I appreciate. So like it's like a a mind exercise. All right, so you're seeking something. You're seeking some sort of order and like mm-hmm. the childlike madness. Or what are you? What are you going for? Cause it's because it, I've seen several people kind of come through like with like tastes like this recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, who who uh, like it, like one of my friends, who's an artist, like describes their art as uh, repulsive, like on purpose. Yeah. So and, and they're attracted to this repulsion. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering why is that? What is what is that? What is that attraction like? What's the repulsiveness? What kind of is there a trigger to it? Is it does it does it instigate some sort of nostalgic emotion to you like is it like i think it does speak to some emotion i think 
It's the same reason I like John Waters movies, because they're just, they're weird. Mm -hmm. And something about that is appealing. It's uh, it's like a rejection of the norm, and it it stimulates thought. And so it's, it's like a, I don't know what to compare it to. It's like reading a good book, kind of. Okay, okay. It's like an, uh, it's it's like being presented with a different viewpoint. It's like you know I need to I need to think about things, put this on and analyze it while it's playing, and it's like a meditation. Do you use it to do you use it to think about other things like outside of the music, or 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 do you use the music itself as a thought exercise? Like, I think the music itself is a, an exercise. I took that. I do that a lot. I'm more I'm very emotional. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you if we had to talk about that kind of division in the brain i would mm-hmm. talk about for myself i go to a more emotional side when it comes to music and that's probably why like our taste in music has has like the difference between it mm-hmm. like, i definitely appreciate all the things that are that you come forth with and i think it's always so interesting and uh particularly from a performance standpoint being able to even comprehend how to execute that kind of stuff yeah that's another thing i think i, I appreciate a lot about it is it sounds chaotic, but it's so structured and it's really uh, intentional. Everything and, and like that intentional that that that's attractive to it, me. It art. takes a a big amount of skill to pull that off. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like seeing. It's better than seeing, in my opinion, because it's more abstract and and it's got that childlike aspect to it. But it's sort of also like seeing the virtuosity in particular is like seeing those. Like you Google, you go out and Google and uh, look up photorealistic drawings, and you see these things that are someone's making with this with a, you know, number two pencil and an exacto blade, and it's like these f- photograph perfect drawings of people, mm-hmm. like absolutely perfect. Like you can't believe it's it's and it, that kind of skill is impressive, and like that's kind of the, that's kind of the skill I see with these virtuistic things that you bring forth, where the, where they're executing complicated music, and uh, and it sounds chaotic if you just if you just ignore it, but mm-hmm. then but yeah, you're right, you delve into it like a puzzle, and you see more of it, which is not my typical way that I appreciate music. Yeah, like it's, I said, that's uh, yeah, I need to be in a mood. Yeah, for for the beef heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the beef heart mood, and, and I like I like I like seeing it with that spectrum you mentioned, that uh, emotional side and rational side, and then culminating in the wise mind, because I can definitely see the difference between getting into that kind of music and getting into what I usually listen to, being like singer songwriters, like kind of more like vocal and uh, lyrical music, because mm-hmm. it's because lyrics always matter so much to me. Uh, it, it's definitely a huge part of why I listen to anything. I like things that I like things I like lyrics that sound different than the music that they are. So mm-hmm. I kind of like that kind of abstract juxtaposition, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like what the upcoming track on <laughs> featuring "Somewhere Like the Season" misery is about because it's a very happy sounding kind of uh, tune, uh, but it, it's 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 called misery, and, and which leads me perfectly to. Our music recommendation section, besides Summer Like the Season, which we obviously recommend because we recommend you finishing the podcast. Uh, but this section is called The Mad Notes. I got that from Jane Silent Bob. <laughs> it's when uh, they start rapping 
15 bucks little man yeah put that shit in my hand the money doesn't show then you owe me oh me oh my jungle love oh we oh we oh i really want to know you know you yeah what so that last part that song part is from the times Mm -hmm. and when these young kids were like the times sucks they 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 grabbed the kid and physically threatened him and said the time was the bad notes so that's where the name comes from so this this is this is the stuff that we believe to be the mad notes this is the kind of stuff that we would uh, get violent over if someone were to come up to us and say we're not the mad notes ian why don't you do the honors the first mad note oh Scott cast let me lead besides summer like the season well my first recommendation is a Swedish band called Anecdoten. 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 What, what kind of music do they do? I guess you'd call them progressive rock. I feel like they tell a lot of stories. Anecdotes. <laughs> yeah, to an extent. How do I describe them? They started off as a King Crimson cover band. Okay. So there's a lot of their early stuff, especially, kind of is reminiscent of that style, the kind of 1970s crimson lineup really nasty bass tone which is so beautiful um pretty complex drumming i love this band so much and uh nobody knows them well now's your chance to so i'm recommending them them strongly anecdoten what's a good what's a good where's a good starting point for anecdoten good starting point it kind of depends where like what your tastes are like i said the early stuff really reminds me of like 70s era King Crimson. So that's those are my favorites. Um, so Vmod and Nucleus and From Within are all super solid. They've kind of moved towards more of a songwritery somewhat direction lately. Um, so Gravity's really good if you're into the more kind of mellow um, songwriting kind of thing. Okay. The recent one is a good blend of those two styles it's called uh until the ghosts are gone that is highly recommended okay so there's your first scott cast mad notes recommendation anecdote i've been i've been listening to this album on repeat since mm-hmm. it came out uh, it's something that you would hate okay <laughs> uh brandy carlisle uh, by the way i forgive you fantastic album I love it. She's really honing in on her uh, strengths mm-hmm. in this one. A lot of ace songwriting, got a good, a lot of good storytelling, very poignant. And uh, I, th- I think that's how you say that word, poignant. Yeah, poignant. It's, it's if try it at home, poignant. It's hard to say. And got that silent G in there. Yeah, it's not a word that you typically, I typically. If if you say poignant often. Write in and let me know. I want to know about it. I want to know about the situations you say it in and what your strategy is for tackling that word. Anyways, lots of great hooks because she's the kind of she's the kind of singer who can just like really rip into a chorus mm-hmm. and own the crap out of it. And it's kind of a detriment to her in a way because a lot of great songwriters are known not by their recordings, but by how many people cover their recordings. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult to cover a Brandy Carlisle song because she's just so badass. It's like almost every cover, almost any singer trying to sing, she's good at covers, 
almost any anybody trying to sing one of her songs though is inevitably going to be like a total failure mm-hmm. because she just rips into them and it's just absolutely amazing. So that's my second. That's the second, not my second. Your first, the second. Well, yes, the, the second man notes. Third, if you count someone like the season. <laughs> Are you keeping track at home? All right, so back to me. Yes, this is uh, round table. Man, I like, I was trying to think of what I've been listening to lately and I kind of like my guilty pleasures. I It's more of a genre-esque thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this time of year where it's kind of like gray and nasty outside, I just really like some atmospheric black metal. Okay. I like um, the mood matching. Yeah. So that's that's some of my emotional brain speaking. Uh, like, do you do you listen to music like in your driving, and you like you imagine it as like more of like a soundtrack to your life? Absolutely. Is that why? Is that what you're going for here? Yeah. Is this like driving? This is driving music. Yeah. Uh, I miss driving. Driving music sometimes is the best music. Like it accounts. It's like I like you gotta love like having a soundtrack or something like mm-hmm. that that you love. Like this atmospheric black metal. I'm thinking about getting in a car and putting this stuff, kind of stuff on. Cause you're right. It's like I I don't really have. A That's good... the best part of my days. Yeah. Fifteen minutes to work and just listen to some some metal. You should get a bigger commute if this is the best part <laughs> of your day. Why you live so close? <laughs> Draw that. Draw that out. So I kind of had... That's your life strategy. I had like a few bands that I felt were representative and uh, I probably should have some album recommendations too because Oliver is one of my recommendations. They are... They started off as kind of one of the early black metal bands. They've changed a lot over the years. They're more kind of electronic now. I dig all their stuff though. Um... So they're almost, they've got like a, what's the vibe they've got now? It's almost like 80s, like goth synth. 80s goth synth. Sort of. Okay. But it's atmospheric goth synth. So they started off as, again, straight black metal. They recorded some albums in the Norwegian forest. In the forest? Yeah. So they like, sound like they... garbage, but that's that's the vibe. Okay. Did they bring a power source? I guess they did. They did somehow. Plug into a it tree. could have just been like a little tape recorder. <laughs> Satan power. We will sacrifice a goat for electricity. So yeah, they've uh, they've changed their sound a lot over the years, but I dig everything that Oliver does. Alsace is another band. They're from France. They're kind of, I think uh, they're described as black gaze. Black gaze. So it's G-A-Z-E. Like, yeah. Okay. It's like you heard a shoegaze, or it's kind of like... Oh, okay. I don't, yeah, I don't know the but word for that either. Gaze. But it's black gaze. <laughs> it's like, we're all wearing black and looking <laughs> at our shoes. No colors here! Yeah, so that's... Again, Unsaturated. It's very atmospheric. It's mm-hmm. got a lot of emotion in it. Um, Agalock is the final band that I feel kind of represents that, that vibe. Um, they're... They were an American band. I think they were from Portland or something like that. Um, they're not a band anymore, but they do a real good job of blending kind of that aggression of the metal and um, sort of more the lighter acoustic bits, which I really dig. Um, the Mantle is probably their best album, but again, their whole discography is pretty pretty badass. That sounds good. Like 
that combined with the Ganesh stick really puts me in a, in a good place for this here Overcast Saturday. I think I think we should. I think I think it's recommended from personally from Scott Cast to everyone. Get yourself a Ganesh stick. Get yourself a Ganesh stick holder. Put put your Scott Cast brand Ganesh stick holder on pre-order. <laughs> and uh, really just enjoy your next Saturday, listening to the new Scott Cast that will be out. <laughs> And trust me, your life will be better once you introduce Scott Cast and Scott Cast spiritual, mental, and psychological revelations into your life. That's what Scott Cast is about. It's the super colorful original telecommunication transmission, otherwise known as Scott Cast, otherwise known as the best podcast you will ever allow into your psyche. There you go. So, atmospheric, black metal, them's the mad notes. Them's the mad notes. What you got next, Scott? Oh, I've got, I've got a little. I got a little album that I'm very excited about. That um, so, <clears throat> continuing on the trend of um, uh, artists you would never relate to. Uh, I gotta go back, not to Lady Gaga's latest album, but to the album she released before this album that is latest released. Yeah, the penultimate album. The penultimate album. Current penultimate. <laughs> As of the publication of this podcast, penultimate album, Art Pop, all capital letters. It is a fantastic album, full of very rich like synth, uh, and it, it's it's arranged in a very driving way, and I, it just gets my blood going. I love it, and I wanted to recite a few lyrics for you to see if you can. Uh, See if I can't at least con convince you to, uh, I don't know, maybe see some sort of value in this particular album. It is from the song Venus. Uh, and it concerns Lady Gaga in space. So, much like David Bowie, in a way. It's got a lot of that influence. It's a disco-influenced sex song, space style. It's Okay. Rocket number nine. Take off to the planet Venus. Aphrodite lady seashell bikini garden panty Venus. Let's blast off to a new dimension in your bedroom. Venus. Aphrodite lady seashell bikini. Get with me. Venus. I can't help the way I'm feeling. Goddess of love. Please take me to your leader. I can't help. I keep on dancing, goddess of love. Take me to your planet. Take me to your Venus. When you touch me, I die. Just a little inside. I wonder if this could be love. Because you're out of this world, galaxy, space, and time. I wonder if this could be love. Interesting. <laughs> so, that is the amongst the fair that you will see and hear and listen to in Lady Gaga's art pop. And you will be right along with Scott Cass, bopping along. You're winning the Mad Notes section. Am I? Of this Scottcast. <laughs> I am doing bad at uh, reviewing music. I thought that would be a good thing for me to do. Turns out I'm bad at it. But then again, maybe that's what I'm selecting. Well, I'm just kind of selecting the things that I listen I to all the time. I appreciate that we have such vastly different tastes. <laughs> our, our listeners, they're going to find something that's, that speaks to them. I would hope. You're the rational mind. 
and I'm the emotional mind. And Scottcast, together, we form the wise mind. There you go. Scottcast. <laughs> Wisecast. Wise ass. Yeah, so I guess my, my mad notes to this point have been fairly technical and more, more rational mind. Mm-hmm. Um, pick number three, which I've been listening to lately, is more emotional mind. Okay. And that is Chris Cornell, his solo album, Euphoria Morning. Oh, Chris Cornell. Who, rest in peace. Right. I'm also noticing that a lot of my bands are not bands anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But. These recommendations literally did not come soon enough. (laughs) Go listen to this music and then feel bad that you you will never see these artists play that live. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Euphoria Morning. I guess I, I kind of revisited all of his uh, Chris Cornell's stuff, Soundgarden, once he he passed, and it's a uh, got an emotional component to it for sure. Yeah, it's hard not to associate uh, suicide with the artist's work. Yeah, when it, when when it comes to light like that. And although it's called Euphoria Morning. It is kind of a depressing album. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't imagine that he's, he's writing Diddy Bops over here. Yeah. He's writing the... This this, this album was supposed to be the Hanson's next album. <laughs> but they passed on it because it was too happy. But, uh, it's... They're beautiful songs, well-written, kind of stripped down, not not the, the aggressive sort of stuff that uh, he was doing with Soundgarden. Um, kind of poppy, but not really. Okay poppy compared to what I listen to but like I'll tell you one thing of all the recommendations you gave me besides maybe getting in my vehicle and listening to some atmospheric metal this will probably be the one I'm, I'm gonna pop in okay most immediately because because I I've been interested in getting more into Chris Cornell I haven't yeah. known too much about him I haven't listened to too much from him besides the the hits mm-hmm. if you will and I love I love his voice yeah. I love his style. He, yeah, his style is very emotive. Mm-hmm. And he's got an incredible range. And yeah, something, um, I don't know, something just kind of melancholy about everything he does, which well, for whatever reason speaks to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's fun. It's fun to be sad. That's just how it is. <laughs> you know? Because that is a weird thing. Why is it that people like to listen to sad music? Why is it that they like to write sad lyrics? Why is it that they like to write things about that kind of side and I, then like they appreciate it? I think it can be a lonely feeling and having being able to connect with with someone else who's who's experienced that is maybe comforting. Is that what that is? It's connection with the artist and, and that feeling and, and some sort of belonging? I think so. Hmm. Possibly. I do feel that. I feel validation a lot of the time. When I'm like, I'll put on an almost dangerous amount of validation sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I put on some sad music and, and get, down on the, get down on the sadness. Because it's, cause it's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's like you listen and you connect and you're like, oh, I feel this way. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes maybe this is where our future Spotify pill sending corporation business 
will come into handy. Uh, sometimes you shouldn't be going down that path. You shouldn't be listening to sad music all the time. That's true. If it's if if you're if you're just in some sort of feedback loop, I'm not saying Ian is. Ian's the most level-headed person in the freaking world. He's the rational mind, if you understand. But for me, I gotta I gotta regulate. That's 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 probably why I, I put art pop on repeat. <laughs> it's good stuff. It keeps you keeps the dopamine flowing. That's what you need. If you need the dopamine to flow, just put on art pop and just dance away the entire entire day. You could just put that on repeat and just and just and just go all out all day. Yeah. And it's no big deal. Yeah, if you want to dance, my my list is not the list for you. No. Yeah, if you're if you're if you're way too optimistic about things and you need a level dose of reality, Ian's got some picks for you. They will bring you down. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, but you have one more recommendation that I wanted to make sure because you put it on just before we started playing. Yeah. Recording. recording. And. Um, I really liked it. So I was like, why don't you just put that on the list? And I want to hear about that. And then we're going to enjoy Summer Like the Season. Yeah, so final recommendation, thanks to Scott telling me to put it on my list, is Two Foot Yard. Um, this is a project of Carla Kilstead, who was involved in one of my other favorite bands that isn't a band anymore, uh, Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. They were kind of a heavy avant-garde act. They only put out a couple albums. Um, really interesting stuff. Yeah. If, if you if you can appreciate the beef heart and that sort of thing, but also kind of little, like a little bit of metal, uh, I would recommend Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. Two Foot Yard is uh, more of a singer-songwriter kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Carla Kilstead's the, the lead here. Um, she's got a lovely voice. She also plays... A number of instruments. Um, it's kind of a Tom Waits feel. Yeah. Musically, I'd say. Yeah. What I got from it when I when you put it on, it's it's enigmatic. It's powerful, mm-hmm. and it's alluring. So I really like it. So it's gonna be something that. Oh, I lied. The Chris Cornell thing and this one. So I'm getting all the recommendations. I'm putting on the show, but I'm getting the recommendations. There you go. I'm getting... See, this is how a Scott cast works. It, everything <clears throat> think, benefits me in the end. So I'm not positive, but I think they're not a band anymore. I think okay. this was like a, a one-off thing. <laughs> Just a little, so. little jaunt. Well, it's okay. If it was something we could look forward to. Good to listen to. Available on Spotify. I've got plenty of Hamtramck music to see live. Which reminds me, we are going to finish this Scott cast with the very first uh, uh, tune brought to you by Scott Cast. Uh, Summer like the season's misery. She very graciously allowed us to plug it in at the end of the show. This uh, this podcast for our listener base. So please stick through the song, check it out. It'll be the best part of the podcast. Save for last. Alrighty, have a week. Misery finds misery and snuggle.